Spirit. Please be seated. Hey, good morning, friends. Good morning. It's nap time. Talk about Somebody, somebody said this. I don't know who it was, but they said family's a lot like fudge. Mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. <laughs> I think Jesus said something like that too about the kingdom of God being compared to fudge. Mostly sweet, but with a few nuts. Um, in our reading today, um, we've, we've got some family trouble. There's some trouble within the family of God. Um, clearly you see that in, in Paul's letter he's talking about two women who are members of that community that help them establish that community. These two women are having trouble. They're not getting along. And he is encouraging the community to respond to that in some way. Now, the Matthew Gospel, there's also something that, that is also telling us that there's a community that's in strife. There's division. There's difference here. And it's causing trouble. The community of Matthew, the community that he wrote his gospel for, was a group of Jewish Christians. This is after the destruction of the temple, and people are now worshiping in synagogues. And there is division between Matthew's community and those who are other members of the synagogue community. There's division within the family of God's people. <coughs> really? <laughs> I thought that was a modern problem. <laughs> you read the gospel stories, you read Paul's letter, he's always dealing, Paul's always dealing with some trouble in the church. This sweet thing that is also blessed by a few nuts. Maybe that's us. Okay? Maybe, maybe that's us at various times. So Matthew writing to his community, and, and he's, he's, he's talking with them, um, and I think the thing for us to take from this is not from that parable, that strange parable, that some people are going to be cast out of community, but maybe the recognition that, you know, we're going to have troubles. We're going to have trouble, and, and there, there perhaps is a way of us to respond, a way for us to respond to that trouble. We remember that that community that Matthew was writing to, they were all Jews. They were all Jews. They all had a lot of things in common. They had Torah. They had the law given by Moses, and they had the prophets. Both those who were members of Matthew's community and those who were members of the synagogue where the Christians had been thrown out, they all had the Torah. They all had the patriarchs and the matriarchs. They shared those things in common. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Both communities, common ancestors. Both of them, Yahweh as their father. Both of them had the law. Both of them had the prophets. Both of them had the traditions of the people of God. All these things in common. All these things in common. All of them having a hope that God one day would send the Messiah. All of them with the hope that one day God would come and reestablish God's rule on earth. All of them with all those things in common. And yet there's conflict. 
one group recognizing Jesus as that promised Messiah and the other not believing that. 99% of what they believed, they had in common. Sigmund Freud talked about the narcissism of small differences. The narcissism of small differences. Some of us know that we have this kind of difficult relationship, perhaps, with a parent, because you know what? We are very much like that. You find out that you really like your mom or your dad, and that causes friction. That causes friction. Because in them, you see a whole lot that's true about you, and maybe you don't like that. The narcissism of small differences. What it tells us, that term tells us, is that, you know, in situations where we share most things in common, we can take one small thing, and that can become the source of division. One small thing. And when we center on that and we see that and we spend our time on it and we start talking about it and we start rejecting people because of that one small thing, we forget all the 99 other things we have in common. The narcissism of small differences. <coughs> so, you know, I, I, I imagine that it's really easy to think about things that have divided us as a church community and things that divide us as a nation and how those things have entered into our church community and they serve to divide us in here. And we forget when we do that, that 99% of what we hold dear, we have in common. And it's that one thing though, that we latch onto that divides us, that divides us. So there is this ongoing, this ongoing disagreement. And it's been going on for a while, it's not, it's not something new. But I know you've heard about it. This ongoing disagreement, this ongoing difference that some people have become very passionate about, about whether you should stand or kneel. <laughs> now that was an issue when I was in seminary. And it's an issue that's been in the church itself for a very long time. See, I came out of the Diocese of South Carolina which is considered by some people in the church to be sort of a low church diocese. Not real particular fussy about the liturgy. And others that I went to seminary with came from very high church backgrounds. Very particular about things. And they refer to us from South Carolina as snake belly love. <laughs> snake belly love. First it's high and spiky, okay? <laughs> And one of the things that we had disagreement over was standing or kneeling. I'm not talking about flat. I'm talking about receiving communion. Do you stand or do you kneel? And you go, really? There's controversy over that? Yes, there is. Because one time in the church, in the Anglican tradition, kneeling was forbidden. You could not kneel. You with bad knees are going, thanks be to God. <laughs> now you can do what you want. Now you can do what you want. Not according to my seminary friends, though. You kneel. <laughs> See, the difference was, the difference was for the, for the Anglicans, 
because there was this ongoing fight between Protestants and Catholics, kneeling meant that you were Catholic. Standing meant you were Protestant. Kneeling meant that you believed in transubstantiation. Standing was a protest against that. Believe that, right? And it got put in our prayer book that thou shalt not kneel. Crazy. Okay? The narcissism of small differences. Well, you know, there are the broader things that happen out in culture that we disagree about. And the problem is when we focus on those, we forget the 99% that we agree upon. And we forget that we are all children of the same God. All meant to be one family. One family. You know, Paul is writing to his beloved church. He really seemed to love this church. I think their modern name is Good Shepherd. <laughs> not perfect, right? Sweet, but a few nuts, including the chief nut standing up here. But there are two women. They could be two men, it doesn't really matter. But there are two people who had worked together. And Paul says, they worked with me and with Clement and Rudolph and Blitzen and the rest of them, right, worked with me for the sake of the gospel. And now something's happened. Who knows what it is? And I'm glad he doesn't say what it is because some people might say, well, as long as we're not doing that, it's okay for us to disagree. So he doesn't tell us what it is. He simply says, these <coughs> people are not getting along, yet they work together at one point to do really good work here and to work for the gospel, and they help build this place, and now they're not getting along. And you know what? You have to do something about it. You have to do something about it. There's an African culture, the Bemba. Now, I don't know if this is really true about them or not. I've read in multiple places, but being a former academic, I always want to see where some anthropologist went there and said, yeah, this is how they do it. And see that published somewhere in an academic journal and go, yeah, it's true. Now, I want it to be true. And I want it to be true, and I think it is true because I think Paul says the same thing, just in a different kind of way. Apparently, among the Bemba people, they believe that everybody is oriented towards wanting to do what is right. We want to do what is good and right. That is our nature. Fundamentally, we are good people. But sometimes, in the pursuit of our own thing that we want, we might do something that's not right. We might do something that's unjust, that's unkind. And the rest of the community knows that's not who we truly are. The rest of the community knows that that thing that that person did doesn't really represent who they are. And so the story is that among the Bemba people, when there is a violation of some kind, where somebody has done something unjust, unkind, that affects the community, they will call together the entire community. Men and women, Children, elders, everybody comes together and they form a large circle around that person. And with that person in the middle of that circle, they'll spend several days 
saying nice things to that person. Not lies, not exaggerations, but reminding that person of everything that they've done that's good. Remember that time when I needed help chopping wood and you came and you helped me with that. Remember that time when your grandmother was not faring well and you went and took care of her. Remember that time, remember that time, remember that time, remember that time. Remember all that goodness that truly is you. How different it is when we have a problem with someone that we accuse and condemn and point out what they've done wrong. And instead their approach is to remind them of their goodness. To remind them of their true selves and all the good they've done. And when you hear that enough times, you start perhaps believing it. Oh yeah, I am better than that. Oh, that's right. My true nature is to be a good and helpful person. And so I think when Paul says these two people are having an argument and they've done good work in the past, you, the community, focus on what's good. Focus on what is good. If anything is good, anything just, anything righteous, anything holy, focus on that and remind that person of their goodness, their holy hands and holy lips. You are holy people. And sometimes what we need is somebody to come alongside us and to remind us of that, of all of our goodness and all that God has done through us and who our true selves are to bring us back to the people we're supposed to be. That's what Paul said. And if you do that, that narcissism of small differences will go away. That peace of God that passes all understanding will be the gift of the community as people come to see their goodness again and where they fit into God's plan. Now, I put a basket back there. I bet a lot of you walked in and didn't grab your dollar, did you? No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it said take one. All right. <laughs> Turn this into a strip show and start throwing dollars. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know what that means? <laughs> oh, wow. Make it rain, Bill. Make it rain. Yeah, we need some repentance now. Yeah, take one. This is God's one. Yeah, take one, take one and pass it around. Okay? Take one. Did you get one? Choir, did you get yours? Oh, you heartbreakers, go ahead and take the basket and go that way. Here. Put that in your juice right There won't be any recess. This is God's money, and it's for a purpose. Yes, you can ask for it. Alright. Enough jokes, good. Let people behave, so I'm done. Got them all. Put these back here. Joe, get yours. Don't. My turn? Give me a dollar. 
forever. Here's what I want you to do with that. I want you to think about somebody in your life who needs to hear from you. Somebody in your life that needs to hear from you. Somebody that, that sort of narcissism of small differences has created a, a, a break, some kind of division between you and that person. You know who that is. If you don't, think. Think about it. Somebody that needs to hear from you. And once you use that dollar to get together with them, that's your cup of coffee that's on God to pay for your honor. <laughs> so you can't go to Starbucks, right? <laughs> McDonald's. Okay? McDonald's. The dollar value menu. Okay? That's for yours. God's paying for yours. I mean, that's for them, right? That's God's paying for that. Okay? I want you to get together with somebody this week. Think about that. Pray about that. Who is it you have to have a conversation with? Who is it you haven't talked with in a while? And maybe it's somebody that you've got this kind of division between you and them. And when you meet with them, remind them of how beloved they are. How beloved they are. Of all the good things they've done and they do. You might scare them. You might shock them. You might never have coffee with them again. <laughs> but this is the beginning. Okay? This is the beginning of mending some relationships. Things that we perhaps have just let go. But this is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. This is what Paul encourages the community to do. Focus on what is good. Get together with that person and do their focus on what is good. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will bless you.